There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back to another amazing week of HaKadosh Baruch who has given us another Erev Shabbos Kodesh Pasha Shaitim Tov Shin Pei Gimel Chvesh Chodesh El One month of Rosh Hashanah So much to do, so little time to do it And unfortunately not enough effort necessarily Or desire to get it all done Let's talk Torah We have in this week's Pasha the episode of, it, of uh, the Jewish army going out to war and the Kayin makes an announcement and says who is the man who is fearful and faint hearted let him go and return to his home and the Gemara Saita brings two opinions concerning who this fearful and and uh, faint-hearted soldier who must return home from the battlefield is because we worry that his distress might demoralize the other soldiers. Rabbi Akiva is of the opinion that the Torah is referring to a cowardly person who after the Kayin's assurance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's support on the battlefield is still overwhelmed with apprehension. He will have a negative effect on others. Let him rather go home and relax if he can. His faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu is at best weak and thus not deserving of a miracle that the, that uh, he survives the battle. Rabbi Yaisiya clearly contends that the declaration was directed towards one whose fear and faint-heartedness were the result of Averis, which he had done, which he felt make, made him unworthy of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's favor for a safe return from the battlefield. It's necessary to underscore that we are not necessarily talking about one who performs a terrible kind of Avera, but says, well, even the person who spoke between Yishtabach and Yitzarv, between the end of Sukkot Zimna and the beginning of the Birchus Krishma, right? Uh, during which speaking is, is prohibited. This, this person is obviously extremely careful in, in his mitzvah observance so that any infraction, however small, will arouse a sense of kind of almost an obsessive fear of unworthiness. Such a person should return home <clears throat> before his anxiety takes his toll on others. Now, in his in his parish, to to the uh, to parish chaf uh, discussing the coin's statement, Shema Yisrael, hear Yisrael. Rashi comments, even if there's no merit that you have. But the fact that you say Shema Yisrael, you're worthy that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should save you. Apparently, this soldier did not have to be concerned about his sinful behavior. Why is he so anxious? The Kotzkerebbe offers a very insightful explanation that goes to the core 
of what we, may, what we may term as spiritual anxiety, which affects one who has repented from some uh, behavior or, or life sin. He says, what does it mean Yorei V'racha Levav applies to the person who is fearful, faint-hearted, and we can even add depressed over his past, his life of sin, which kind of presaged his, his present state of, of tshuva. That this despondency that overwhelms him preoccupies his life, making him vulnerable to feelings of a lack of trust in himself to survive the battle. He thinks that Akarishpok will ignore his tshuva and instead focus on his objectionable past. One who mistrusts himself has no business being at, at battle. Part of the struggles of about Shiva is to blot out the previous life. When one repents, his life has new meaning, his future filled with hope and purpose. The flip side is that the more one sees his bright future, the more it contrasts with his kind of sordid past. He becomes distracted and often must exert enormous effort to overcome the nearly temptations that, that sabotage the Balchuvah's return. Right? His friends in the past do not understand how he could be almost a, a, a traitor turning his back on them and all they are doing. He, he fears returning to old haunts lest he fall into the abyss from which he has painfully managed to to uh, extract extract himself. <clears throat> he forgets that tshuva leads to atonement and absolution, ushering in a new life, a rebirth for the sinner. He's no longer that person that he had that he had been. Nonetheless, nonetheless, the Baal tshuva must navigate between a leap of disengagement from the past and the hard process of rectification. Right? The transition does not just happen. It requires time, patience, and extreme effort, during which he is open to the fearfulness and faint-heartedness that envelops the Jewish soldier. This is 11.95. The program Soul to Soul will be back in a moment with much, much more. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. We're now into the final run-up before Rosh Hashanah. This is the last month of the year. Time to get things organized. Let's talk about how easy it is to make it on Rosh Hashanah and how the, even the small things are so important. Listen to this. It's a Gemara in Sanhedrin. It says as follows. When HaKadosh Baruch wanted to create human beings, so he created one group of heavenly angels. 
Nu, should we make a human being who has our form? So Amla Farm said to him, Rebbeinishlon, master of the universe. Ma'amasav, what, how is he going to act? What's going to be his, his uh, attitudes in life? Amla Hashem said, kach v'kach this is what he's going to do. Amla Farm said to him, Rebbeinishlon, master of the universe. Ma'enosh kisses kwenu. Who is this human being? Why are you even mentioning him? Uben Adam kisses kwenu. Why do you want to even, even, uh, 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 go? Think about it. Creating a human being. What's going to be the point? Right? So HaKadosh Baruch Hu took his little finger. Hashem took his little finger and surfed them and burnt them. And so Hashem created a second group and a third group and they all said to him, Rebbein the, the first ones who said to you, Ma'ahoilu, you don't listen. What's the point of asking us for advice? That you, you just destroy them. The whole world belongs to you. And whatever you want to do in your world, you can do. Mark carries on. When it came to the generation of the people of the Mabu and the time of the people of the Dara Flug of the tower that, the generation that built the tower of Bavel, where their actions were mekulkalin, were, were terribly, uh, 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 defective. So then, Amun the Fanus, the Nan Malachim said to Hashem, Rebbeinishalaylam, Master of the Universe. No, didn't all those Malachim speak well, didn't they? What they said was, was right. He said, Va'adzikna anihu, until I'm old, anihu, I am Hashem, Va'adzeva, until my eldness, aniyespo, I'm gonna put up to him. And the question, that the Mufashim asks, we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has not, is not physical. He doesn't have a body and we don't have, we can't attribute him any physical attributes. So if so, it's clear when they said that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put his little finger amongst them and burnt them, it's obviously alluding to something. It can't be an actual, an event. So this we have to understand. What is the nimshal? What is the analogy? of this small finger. And perhaps we can say, based on a particular story that happens with Rabbi Hanina ben Doisa, as it's brought in the beginning of the Major Shraba on, on Kohelis, a public story about Rabbi Hanina ben Doisa and the, the stone that he brought to Yerushalayim. And the Major says as follows, so once happened, Rabbi Hanina ben Doisa, that he saw the the people of the city, Malin, the Dorim Madovas, they were bringing Karbonus that they had promised to bring as sacrifices to, they were bringing it to Shalayim. So he said, I understand. Everyone is bringing to Shalayim promises and, and, and donations. I'm not going to bring anything to Shalayim. How can that be? Ma also says, what did he do? He went to a desert outside of a city. The Rosham Evanachas. And he saw there a, a stone. The Shavab of Sicho, He slipped it out. He, he kind of un, unrooted it from where it was and, and took it. For Armon, he said, I accept for myself. I'm going to bring, I'm going to schlep this stone all the way to Shlaim. So he tried to hire some workers, 
and five people came to him. He said to them, you bring this stone for me to Yishlaim? So they said to him, fine, give us five slayim and we'll bring it to Yishlaim. So he said, fine, he wanted to give it to him, but he couldn't find in his hands any any kind of money at that time. And therefore they left him, not getting their money, they went, they went away. So HaKadosh brought him five malachim in the appearance of human beings, and he said to them, "Will you be? Are you prepared to bring the stone to Shlaim?" So they said to him, "Fine, give us five Shlaim, and we'll bring this stone for you to Shlaim, but on one condition: You must help us. You must put your hands and your fingers together with us." So fine. So he put his hand and his fingers together with them, and they suddenly found themselves in Yushalayim. So he wanted to give them, he wanted to give them their wages, couldn't find them. So he went to the Sanhedrin, to the Lishkas Hagazis, and he asked, right, he asked about them, right, he wanted to, to find out who were they so they could uh, pay them. So they said to him, it seems to us that it was Malachim that brought that stone to Yushalayim. The Koro of Amikra, and they applied to him the following Pasuk, right? If you saw someone who's very, very quick to do his work, he will stand in front of kings. And they applied to him, as if it said Lifnei Malachim, instead of Malachim King, Lifnei Malachim, he will stand in front of, of, of angels. Now, from this story it comes out that this little etzbakitana, those little fingers of Rabbi Hanina bin Daisa teaches us that on every person is, is incumbent the responsibility to do something small. If we do something small, HaKadosh Baruch will already complete his, his action. And even, maybe HaKadosh Baruch will send him angels from Shemayim who are going to help him to do what he has to do. And with this, maybe we can explain the intention of the Malachim when they claimed, don't create human beings. Why? Because human being is so limited. He doesn't have the ability to complete all his actions and do them appropriately in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore HaKadosh Baruch Hu, In other words, that little finger of Rabbi Hanina Mendoza, HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed them that finger to teach us that <coughs> HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want us even. HaKadosh doesn't demand from his creations just a little finger. Do something, do what's in your ability to do and HaKadosh Baruch will finish the rest. And therefore, when a person is now standing in Chodesh Elul, and he feels absolute despair, how am I, a small person like me, how am I going to be able to fulfill the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that I should be, that I should be worthy, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu just decide to give me another year and give me good things. And you must remember that small finger. And maybe we can with this understand 
the the opinions that when the when we do uh, hagba and the sefer Torah is shown around to to everyone, so some people have the minig to to point their pinky, their small finger, at at the at the sefer Torah, even though it would seem that it makes much much more sense that one should point. With the, uh, the pointing finger, the second, with the second finger, the, the most important finger. As in fact, Rav Chaim Pelagi writes in, in, in Sefer Chaim that it's correct to point at the Sefer Torah with the index finger. That's the main finger. And, and he proves it in fact from the fact that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu was demonstrating to Moshe Rabbeinu what the new moon looks like. So it says in the Medrash that HaKadosh Baruch Hu pointed at it with his etzba, with the index finger. So how come the meaning has evolved that many people <coughs> use their pinky and point that at the Sefer Torah? And maybe it's based on what we're saying now. Because when one sees the Torah being shown to everybody, it's very, very easy to despair. How can I ever learn all of the Torah? It's it's broader than the biggest sea. How can I ever understand any of it? And the finger reminds us that all our Kodesh Baruch wants us to do is whatever we can do. Do our best, and Be'ez Hashem, Hashem is going to help us to do the rest. This is one one point nine five M from the program Soul for Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos, Kedesh Pasha, Shavtim Tov, Shin, Pei, Gimel. We are talking about important things that will help us to get ready for the Chodesh El. We spoke before about the importance of doing a little it's doing as much as we can and not worrying because Baruch is going to help us to do the rest. But let's talk a little bit about one of the most important topics that we never talk about enough. And that is, of course, the concept of Shabbos. Ah, Shabbos Kodesh. So in the uh, Sefer of the Kutay Divurim, he brings in the name of uh, Rav Yosef Yitzchak, Schneerson, which is the, the sixth Rebbe in, in, of, of, uh, of Chabad, the father-in-law of the, of the previous Rebbe. Following story. This was, took place in the winter of Tuf Reish Samach Gimel, 120, uh, uh, years ago. Right? His father, the Rashav, right, was, so he stayed for a few months. In, in Vienna, right, by the, by the, uh, professors. And he says, uh, I accompanied my, my father. And he had a certain, uh, procedure that, uh, he would visit from time to time in, in the evening. He would go to the uh, Minyonim of the, of the Hasidish, uh, of the, of the Polish, uh, uh, Hasidim, the Polish Stiblach, right, to be amongst Hasidim to hear a good Hasidish story, to hear some some good vertlach, right, and and uh, some ways to to encourage encourage himself. So one Wednesday Wednesday night, which was happened to be on on uh, two two b'shvat, so he says my father went to one of the minyanim, where there was sitting many elderly people, 
and they were speaking amongst them. And when I, my father, came close to him, we heard that they were telling stories about the great tzaddik from Ramea Parashlanyan. And one of the stories was as follows. In the town where a mayor lived, there was a, uh, a, a, a mikvah uh, right behind a, uh, a, a big mountain. And in, in the winter, when it was impossible to get anywhere because the roads were all, were all mixed up because of the, of the, of the snows, so they had no choice. But to go, they couldn't go over the mountain, so they had to go all the way around the mountain, because it was it was dangerous to start climbing a mountain in in the snow, because uh, it, it became so so smooth and so icy, and Chassasham one could uh, break one's one's limbs. However, Rav Meir used to always go the normal way up the mountain, down the mountain, and thank God, not even once did he ever did he ever slip. One time, the, the, the road was particularly treacherous, and a mayor went to the, to the mikvah in his normal, in his normal way, right up the mountain, as, as he always did. And at that time, there were, in the, and around there also some, some guests, some wealthy, uh, right? And, but they were a little bit on the more modern side, perhaps a little bit attached to, to the, to the Haskalah, that they, uh, were slightly cynical people, and didn't really believe in miracles, and, and things, and things like, like that. And when they saw that, uh, a mayor was going towards the mountain, with, with confidence, as if there was no, no danger at all, so they wanted to show, that they could also, well, there was nothing special about the fact he was going, they were also, gonna go in that dangerous, in a dangerous way. So when a mayor got to the to the mikveh, so all those avrechim, so they started to go up the mountain, and they didn't get very far, and they walked just a few a few steps. So they mamish, they slipped, and and they were very badly hurt until they need, actually needed to call uh, a doctor and and to and to you know medically medically treat them. One of those youngsters at least had some respect and covered for, for the Rav. And, and he actually went and asked Ramir and said, please explain to me. No one is able to walk on, on, on this crazy dangerous path over the mountain to the, to the, to the mikvah. And if they would go, they'd be so badly hurt. And the Rebbe manages to always walk that way and nothing happens. So Ramir answered him. He says, when you're connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you don't fall down. Right? Since I'm Meryl, I'm connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore I can walk up the treacherous paths, even if they're very, very slippery, and and nothing will happen. That's the end of the Misa that, that you heard. So in other words, it's, it's, it's clear that someone who's connected to Kedusha, will not fall into a state of, of Tumor. Yes, we find that, that it's brought, actually the Baltanya uh, uh, brings it, that an Avera is called an Isra. Why Isra? Because when a person violates an Avera, 
he becomes asui, he becomes tied up and connected to the Sikra Akra, to, to the Yetzirah. Comes out that in the same way as one can be tied and connected to Kedusha, so God forbid one can also be tied up and connected to, to, uh, to Tuma. And the same way as when someone is connected to Kedusha, he doesn't fall. So to God forbid, if a person is connected to, to Tuma, to bad things, so he's not able ever to rise up, which I find it very difficult, to rise up and connect himself to, to Kedusha. So therefore, someone who is tied to Tuma, how is he going to be able to correct his behavior and connect himself to Kedusha? Therefore, Kedush Baruch Hu has given us, in his great love for us, the great and wondrous gift of Shabbos Kodesh. As is brought in the Shem Shmuel, brings it in Sefer Yikra, he says, the Zaya Kodesh asks, right, what is, what is Shabbos? Shabbos, the main thing of Shabbos, it's the main time to do tshuva. As it says in, 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 in the, uh, in, in this forum, that the acronym for the word Shabbos is Shabbos by Toshav. On Shabbos, almost come back and do, and do, and do tshuva. And, uh, the Shem Shmuel says, based on what he heard from his father, uh, from the, from the, uh, Harim, right? That on Shabbos, one needs to consider that everything you had to do, everything you needed to accomplish during the week, you have to consider as if it's completely done. Right? And even in terms of, of, of Ruchanis, in other words, person shouldn't be upset, shouldn't be sad that maybe I didn't learn well enough this week. I didn't daven this week. But he should be happy and overjoyed with the Avodah that he has done. Right? And don't criticize yourself at all. And therefore Shabbos is a special, special time for tshuva, that a person can do tshuva from a, from a, from a background of, of simcha and joy and to accept upon himself the Olmach of Shemayim in a complete way that from today and onward he's going to try to do his best to connect himself to the Ratzon of Hashem and, 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 uh, and not, uh, forget about whatever came before and, and not, not to, to, uh, allow himself to be dragged down by his pre, by his previous activities as if he's a new a new person like a child who was born. And that, he says, that is the main element of, of, of truth. In other words, that just like in terms of physicality, a person has to feel on Shabbos that he's lacking nothing and everything is perfect. Let's say, for example, he's standing in the middle of a, of a, of a, of his plowed field. He has to feel, and, and it's not just to, to feel, but actually to, to depict himself that the entire f- uh, field is already full of, of grain, etc. So too when it comes to Ruchnis, even though now we are so far away from achieving Shlemus, any kind of perfection, a person has to feel as if he is a tzaddik and all of his spiritual work is, is, is complete. And that's what the Gemara says. The Gemara says in Shabbos, on Daf Yud, 
Amud Beis. What does it mean, Ladas, that you should know? Ki ani Hashem mekadishem. I am Hashem who makes you holy. Says Hakadosh Baruch Hu to Moshe Rabbeinu. Matana toyva yeshli bebeis kenazai. I have this beautiful gift in my treasure house. The Shabbos Shemo. Its name is Shabbos. Vanimavakish litna liyisrael. I want to give it to Klaisrael. Lech vaydiam. Go and inform them about it. And the the uh, the Sefer Charedim in Pergayin e- explains this whole discussion of 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 Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Moshe Rabbeinu actually we know helps people to do tshuva. So sometimes a person comes and he wants to purify himself. He wants to really climb the ladder and start to be a better person, but he's just not able. He can't. He can't kill that proverbial snake. Until, until, uh, uh, someone, yeah, until someone else has to come and, and take that snake and smash its head. Right? It's alluded to by the Chacham say, Toiv, Shevin Nechoshim, Retsaitzis Mecha. The best of the snakes go and, and crush his, his head. And that's, a, that's, that's what, uh, it, it means. Right? Uh, 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 Tzadik. Sometimes this Tzadik doesn't have the Kayach. When he's ready himself, overcome the enemy, but someone else has to help him. Right? Sometimes we can't do the job ourselves. Sometimes we need someone else to come and, and free us and just give us that little boost so we can then, uh, 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 overcome the enemy and, and crush, and crush its heads. Right? Sometimes someone who is connected, so connected to the tumor, to, 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 you know, unspiritual things, is not able to to disconnect himself and get back on the path of Kedusha. And therefore he needs that little spark of Moshe Rabbeinu that should help him to subdue all, all, all the evil. And this spark of Moshe Rabbeinu is sent to every single yid as Shabbos Kedush comes in. In order that with the, with his own efforts... And joined with the great Kayach of, of Moshe Rabbeinu, he can cut all those ties with the Tumah. And even, even from the, the greatest Rosham, the most terrible, terrible things, we have the ability, if we want, to completely disassociate ourselves from it. And, and based on this, perhaps you can even understand why do we not wear tefillin on on Shabbos Kodesh. The Gemara in Erevin, Tzad Yuvav, says that tefillin, the whole concept is Kesha, is a knot, is a, is a, is a connection. As a, in fact, the, uh, uh, the, Isaiah, the Isaiah says, he says that the, uh, uh, when, when a person has his tefillin on, on his head, and this is the tefillin that HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts on every day also. So when we where this film, we are really exemplifying our Tzelem Elikim, our, our connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Tzelem Shoyad, what does that symbolize? That's the Shekhinah that's down here, which is also tied and connected to a person. And about that, it says, B'nafshoy Keshura B'nafshoy. His nefesh is tied. So my, it's talking there about Yaakov and, and, and Yosef. That to, to, to get to, the two of them 
HaKadosh Baruch and the, and the human being are tied together in one bond, in one unity. Right? The Ritzua is wound around your, your left uh, uh, finger. And that is, that is, that is the, the, the Kedushin that exists within, within every, every person. Which is the, the, you know, the, the ring? That's, 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 uh, the, the Kedushin is always done with a ring. We wind the tefillin around our finger because we are married to, to the Akadosh Baruch. We are connected to Akadosh Baruch. And that's, that's how we're tied to, to, to Akadosh Baruch. In other words, through, or perhaps even despite the fact that a person has sinned and, and he's unfortunately allowed himself to become kind of tied up and, and, and connected to the Tumah, comes the mitzvah of Tfilin and ties him back to the Kedusha. And therefore, he's then disconnected from his contact with the Tumah. However, this action is done through the Yayama Shabbos itself. Shabbos, with that spark of, of, of energy from Moshe Rabbeinu, already allows a person to completely disconnect himself from, from the Tumah. And therefore, there's no need for the Tfilin on Shabbos because the Shabbos itself accomplishes what the Tfilin would have accomplished. And therefore, we can extend what, what the Gemara the Gemara says in 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 Demai that an Amoritz, even Amoritz, has an awe of Shabbos upon him, and therefore he is believed on Shabbos to say that he took all the proper tithes from food during the week. We don't believe a person who is not uh, of the highest caliber on Shabbos. We're allowed to trust him that everything he has is is uh, is is my said. And again, the Shem Shmuel. Uh, explains that every single yid in his most inner workings and his penumious, he's absolutely a, a wonderful person. And therefore, he somehow feels, on whatever level he's operating, he somehow is exposed and feels the Kedusha of Shabbos. And for this reason, even an Amoritz has an awe of Shabbos upon him. Now we can explain this based on what we're saying that Namoritz says on Shabbos is not able to to tell a lie, not because he's he's scared of of, of the Shabbos, but the the actual reality of Shabbos does not give him the ability to to tell a lie, because Sheker lies brings a person distant from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. As, uh, as it says in the, in the, uh, in my Ram Shapira, writes on the Pasuk in Tehillim, Al Tirchak Mimeni. Don't distance yourself uh, from me. We, we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Rosh Tevis of the words Al Tirchak Mimeni, Aleph Tov Mem, is, is Emes. Uh, because this form bring, uh, uh, bring down Midvar Sheker from any kind of lies you have to say so far away. Because when a person speaks things that aren't true, that distances a person from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's signet ring is emes. And therefore, Hashem hates 
anything that is not emes, that is that is a lie, and, and Hashem distances himself and pushes aside such a person from his proximity, as the pasuk says. Someone who speaks lies will never come into the presence of the of the uh, of the Shkina. and therefore, through the emes, if I speak only the truth. Then I'll Then you won't be distant from Akashwa. Because it comes out that Sheker, lies, brings a person to distance from Akashwa. But on Shabbos Kaidish, almost against his will, he can, he's connected to Hashem. And therefore, you can't say a, a, a Sheker which causes distance because he speaks just Emes, because on Shabbos we're all connected to, to Akashwa. And that's what the Svasema says on, on, on Basuk. Zohar es yoyimah Shabbos lakacho. Remember Shabbos. Sanctify it. Sheish Hashem tavoy. Six days work and do all your malacha. And he says, Vashi explains that you have to imagine as if everything you had to do is, is done. And the Rechaim HaKadosh explains that this is a bracha. That in the six days of the week, you'll be able to accomplish all your malacha and you won't need to work at all on Shabbos. And the truth is that that is the greatest bracha and, and the bracha happens. What does it mean that's a, uh, you won't have to work on Shabbos? Because you imagine as if all your work was done during the week, so you have no need to work on Shabbos. He doesn't even think about his work on Shabbos. That is all the thing about is what is the Ratzin of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? And through that, that's what uh, uh, contributes to the fact that I'm not to think about work. My work is done. <coughs> right? But by the fact that uh, 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 if a person considers it as if all his Mlach is done, and he doesn't worry about it, he doesn't think about it, right? Then, and, and that's what, what the Ratzin of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is. Then he gets to the point where, where his Zohar is Yom Shabbos Akachi is able to sanctify the Shabbos come, come, uh, come completely. So we arrived at a tremendous, tremendous new idea that whatever a person thinks on Shabbos by himself, that's what he's actually going to achieve during the week. Therefore, a person should think on Shabbos Kodesh that I am an elevated Sadiq on a high level. And also you should conduct himself right appropriate to that level of if you think that you're a great silent and you act like someone who's not a silent, then there's a incongruency here. But if a person makes the effort to act like a tzaddik and, and doesn't just waste all Shabbos, let's say sleeping, so certainly uh, uh, his his actions will have ashba on not only on his behavior during during the week, uh, on Shabbos, but even even during the week. And, and he'll be zeicher to reach the levels that he aspires for himself on Shabbos during every moment of the week. This is 1.1.9. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment with our Hilchos Shabbos segment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Soul to Soul. Back on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kedish. Par Shas 
Shaped in Tough Shin Pei Gimel. And a warm welcome for those who are joining us just now. For the show, it is so great that you've taken a few minutes of your busy Erev Shabbos to come listen to some Torah, hopefully be inspired, hopefully learn something maybe you didn't know before, and just get us into the right mood, get us into the right vibe, as they say, for Shabbos Kodesh. So before we get to our Hilchus Shabbos, we always go at this point and give the important details that we need for this coming Shabbos. So this afternoon, the latest time for lighting Shabbos, sorry, let's start from the beginning, the earliest time for lighting Shabbos candles today is at 4.39, for 21 minutes before 5, so ready. We can get ready for Shabbos. We can bring the Kedusha of Shabbos into our home from that moment. In fact, uh, on this Shabbos, there's actually a concerted movement to try to light candles earlier than usual. Show that we really, really are looking forward. As we were speaking just before the, the break about how important it is that a person do tshuva on, on Shabbos. And a person really think that I'm going to make a greater effort to value every moment of Shabbos that we have and not let it just become another day and another situation, another frantic Erev Shabbos. Let's do what we can to get Shabbos in our homes as early as possible. And again, you can light those candles at already 4.39. If you're not able to sort of make that grade, so you need to know that the latest time for benching lift this afternoon is at 5.31, 29 minutes before 6 is the absolute latest time. Again, we have to regard that at that time as the actual deadline for the beginning of Shabbos. The Everything has to be away, all the mukts are cleared away, the house has to be ready, the food has to be on the stove or a heating device, whatever it's going to be. The keys to the car should be away, ideally. As I say, one should be, the men folks should already be in shul, so they can dive in mincha with a, with a minion, not running around frantic like a chicken without a head, looking for one's shoes where you threw somewhere last Shabbos and now you can't find them. Have that all done before so your Shabbos can begin with a mode of tranquility, with a mode of peace, with a, with a mode of, of sort of serenity instead of the wildness and craziness we always have. For those who are really, really in desperate situation, so we have all the way until 5.49. Shkia is at 5.49 just before 10, 10 to, uh, to 6. And that's, again, emergency time for someone who really, really needs it. But for the rest of us, 5.31 is the absolute uh, a deadline if you want to be able to daven myrev and not have to repeat the Shemon Esrei. All you have to do is wait until 7 minutes past 6. 6 or 7 is already night, according to most opinions. And you can daven myrev and say the Krishna. And not have to repeat it. And then, of course, one has a beautiful, beautiful little Shabbos together with one's family and friends and some good, good food and some, maybe some good drink and, and some divitera and some zemiris and make it a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful evening for, for yourself. Tomorrow, of course, is, uh, uh Shabbos Kodesh Parshas Shaitim, not the longest parsha, but there's plenty of very, very fascinating content and, and, and discussion, discussion there. Avail yourself of some of the commentaries, some of the forum that are written on, on, on Torah to really get a little bit of insight into, uh, into that. Um, then we're going to, going to read the fourth already of the seven special haftiras that we read between 
Tishbov and and uh, and Rosh Hashanah. Right, the fourth one we're getting close. Four weeks from tonight is already the first night Rosh Hashanah. There is, isn't really that much time uh, left to to get ourselves uh, ready and uh, and organized. So you have the special haftarah for Parshas uh, uh, for and then Shabbos uh, proceeds beautifully, smoothly. Uh, uh this week we're going to lean the, the, read the sixth parak, uh, the parak that was later added to to uh, to Pukiyavus. Uh, beautiful, beautiful things. So much about Torah, so much about Yerushalayim in in that in that parak. Uh, Shabbos Kodesh ends. Tomorrow night at 6.22, 22 minutes past 6 is the end of uh, of Shabbos. And then we're full blown into El. We already started uh, blowing the shofar and saying the Dover Hashem Oyev Yishi last night, this morning. And uh, we're very, very conscious of what needs to be done during during that time. We are discussing the Malacha of Boyer. And talking about the fact that the prohibition is only when there is a, a, a mixture, right? The prohibition of Bayer applies only when the two species are actually mixed together. But let's say if they're placed next to each other, there's no prohibition to separate them. Let's say, for example, if you have in front of you some nuts and some, uh, and some almonds and they're all mixed together and he just wants to eat right now, the nuts, so he's allowed to take the nuts from amongst the mixture, and the problem is he cannot take out the the almonds. But if let's say they're placed in separate compartments or next to each other, then you can take all the almonds in order to just serve the the nuts, because since they're not mixed together, there's no prohibition to to separate them. Right, I have pieces of fish, right from different types of, of, of fish that are mixed together. So again, all the limitations of boiler apply apply there. And you're allowed to take the, the, pieces, the pieces of fish that he wants to eat straight away and is prohibited to take those pieces that he doesn't want want to eat, even though uh, these ones uh, are, are, uh, are quite big. But if they're mixed together, so and, and you need to put effort and to search after the pieces that you want, so those fall into the gambit of the laws of, of Bayer. But if all the pieces that he wants to eat can be found, let's say, underneath all the other pieces, so you're allowed to remove the top pieces that you don't want to eat in order to take the bottom ones. Because since they're organized, the top ones are not the ones you want to eat. The bottom ones are the one, right? So one one species is on top, one species is below. So by separating them, there's no prohibition of boiler, says the says the Ramah. Now, if someone had, let's say, two different kinds of fruits, he had his plums and he had his uh, his peaches, and they were mixed together. So if there are only a few fruits, so since they're quite big, they wouldn't be considered mixed. And in any event, you'd be allowed to separate them one from another. But if there are many fruits, 
And then it looks like one big mixture and, and the limitations of the laws of Bayra would take, would take effect that you'd be forbidden to separate them one from the other as a, as a kind of a, uh, as is done in normal weekday way. And all you could do is take the fruits that, that the one, which are the ones you want to eat right away. And that's what we call this derechachila. That's the way of eating. And that of course, that a person is allowed is allowed to to choose the thing that he wants that he wants to uh, to to eat. Uh, if someone has, let's say, a uh, some soup, and inside the soup are small pieces of I don't know some chicken or some or some vegetables. So since they're they're quite small, and if you want to remove them. You're going to have to search and kind of make an effort to catch them and get them out. So those would fall into the category of bio. In other words, in order to eat them straight away, you'll be allowed to take them out of the soup. But you'd be it's forbidden to take them out of the soup in order to just eat the soup. And so too, it's also to take them out in order to eat them later. But uh, if the little pieces of, of meat or vegetable that are in the soup are quite large pieces, so since you don't have to actually like run after them and, and, and search for them, so those are not considered mixed up with the soup, and therefore there'd be no prohibition of of uh, of butter. And therefore, it would be permitted to take them out of the soup in order to just eat the soup by itself. And similarly, you would have to take them out in order to eat them at some later later time. And that's uh, literally the same halacha also by uh, dumplings or pierogi that's in, in, in a very clear soup, where again, that's not considered that it's mixed together with the soup. We're going to come back in a moment with our final comments. This is 101.9 and the program is Soul to Soul and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb only on 101.9 High FM. We are talking about the Isser of Boira and taking, removing the things you don't want from the food. As we've explained, explains, when you, as you're eating, you're allowed to take the food that you want in order to eat it straight away. But if you take out the food you don't want from the edible food, you violate the prohibition of, of Boira. So when the unedible food or the, or the, uh, Non-desired food is, is, is minority, and it's much, much easier to take out the undesirable food from the mixture, and, and you therefore you take out the undesirable food, you are violating the isser of body. For example, let's say some, some eggshells fell into your egg salad. You're not allowed to take out those shells by itself because it's also to take the pasilas, the undesirable, from the food. Rather, you have to take it together with a little bit of the of the egg. And since it's possible to eat the the pieces of egg, right, which are 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 sort of stuck now to the peel, so that now is not just some not, not it's not just rubbish. It's actually uh, something chosvet. There's a little bit of egg connected to it. 
And therefore, it's considered as if you're separating food from food and there's no, there's no prohibition. And similarly, if let's say, uh, a, a, a pip fell, or a lemon pip fell into the salad, so you can't just take out the pip, but you can take a little bit of, of the salad together, together with it. Similarly, someone has a, a cluster of grapes that has a few fraught uh, grapes, you cannot take off from the cluster the, the, the fraught grapes. But when you want to eat, you can just eat the, uh, the good grapes that you want to eat and leave the other ones there. If some, let's say someone doesn't like eating onions and they bring them a salad with pieces of onion. So you can't remove them from the salad because the, that would be considered absurd. You want to eat the salad, so eat that which things you like and leave over the pieces of, of onion on the side, right? Uh, and for someone else who's prepared to eat the, the onion, likes the, the onion in the salad, no problem. So then he can take out the onion in order that his friends will be able to eat the, them, them uh, right away. And in such a way, then the, the, even the pieces of onion become food and become edible to the other person. Uh, let's say someone doesn't like uh, 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 pasta, and they bring them a beautiful uh, soup, and inside is is, is noodles. So you, you can't take them out, even if he takes a little bit on, on the spoon, uh, some of the soup with the noodles, because he, he really, really wants to get out a lot of the noodles, and, and, and really what he really wants is only to remove the noodles, and therefore it's still considered a boiler of psalis from, from food, and he's over the iser. But if, let's say, someone else at the table loves noodles, and he's prepared to eat them straight away, so then you'd be allowed to move them out of his plate and to give them to, to his friend. Well, that's all the time we have this this week. We'll be back next week with more hopefully, insights and more Torah learning. In the meantime, just to wish each and one of our beautiful family a Shabbos Shalom. Still a little bit, little, little bit long, we can say a good Chodesh. And please God, this Chodesh Elul should be an amazing and inspiring one for us all. To each of our radio family, a good Gebench to Shabbos.